Welcome to the Film Tino Podcast, the podcast where I, your host, Josue, talk about how Latinos, Latinas, and Latinet people are represented from movies to television to every other medium that represents us. Whether you're part of the Latin American diaspora or not, come with me as we dive into the old, the new, the memorable, the forgettable, the controversial, and the questionable of the Latin American culture that is shown to us. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It's your host, Josue. And man, I, 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 we have a great episode today. We're going to be talking about horror movies. Josue, it's not October. It's January. I don't give a fuck, bro. Any time can be a horror movie time. It doesn't have to just be October. Such as this new Scream movie. This Scream movie came out in January. Wouldn't have it made sense? To come out in October or wait till October this year? Yes. But you know what? It's January. And we had a great horror movie. And you know what? I am a fan of horror movies. Or at, least, or at the very least, stuff that is supernatural, gothic, horror. It's somewhere in the midst of that. You know, because you know how like Guillermo del Toro, you know, he's a great Mexican director. But even when his when even when he does these movies, they're not exactly horror. They're more gothic. They're more supernatural, but they do touch into horror. But at least for this episode, we're gonna completely for the first two segments, we're gonna completely talk about horror movies. With the first segment, we're gonna talk about Scream, twenty twenty two. There's certain rules to surviving. Believe me, I know. They always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. You're all in danger. Mom? Where? Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. We were gonna finish this. Go finish it, Sydney. Scream. Scream 2022 is directed by Matt Bettinelli Olpen and Tyler Gillette or Gillette, I'm so sorry if I bossed up your name, both of you. Um, I'm going to call it Scream 5, just because it's easier to say that. Um, Scream 5 stars a brand new cast with the likes of Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Mason Gooding, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mikey Madison, and Jack Quaid. And the movie also brings back returning cast from the original with Neve Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette. So the story of Scream 5 is that after 25 years from the original Scream, Ghostface is back and is killing a new group of teenagers and is unveiling secrets from the past. Before I start raving about this movie, I do need to say that you should watch the original Scream because I was trying to see if any of the Scream movies were on any streaming service and they had it on Peacock, which who the fuck is paying for Peacock? And I didn't want to just pay it just so I can watch one movie. So I was like, okay, I, I'm i just going to watch a bunch of recaps. And even with the recaps, I got lost 
on some of the references and what some of the characters' backstories were. And while I did have fun with the movie, I still recommend watching the first and maybe last movie before watching this one. Now, the new cast do a great performance, especially with the two new leads, Jenna, who plays Tara Carpenter, and Melissa, who plays Sam. They both have this interesting sister relationship in that there's a secret about Melissa's character, which I won't reveal, but but I really liked what they did with her secret reveal and what and what they even how they played around with that. Even at the end, she, she, she does a great finale at the end with her secret, um, which is amazing. Um, and if they make a Scream 6, I hope we get to see her again. And Jenna Ortega is amazing. She's freaking amazing as Tara. She's kind of the victim in all the stuff that's happening. Um, like, yeah, other people are getting killed, but she's the one getting the most harm. Like, she's the one getting stabbed in the stomach, the leg, her, her neck, like, everywhere. Just everywhere. She's getting traumatized in this movie. And every time she's in pain, Jenna sells it, and she's in and every cut and stab that she was getting, I just cringed because it just looked and sounded so real. And with Jenna's acting, it just it just it just sold me more that this was a child getting murdered. I was like, damn, I, I, like we need to check up on this actress, like make sure that she's all right. But I also thought it was really cool that we had two Latinas as the new leads, and for what they brought onto the table with their acting, they were both amazing. And I hope these two get to be in more projects in the future. Um, one of them we're actually going to be talking about later. She's going to have a lot of stuff to bring to the table in the future. Now, the returning cast also did a great job, especially with Dewey, played by David Arquette. He's the only returning cast member that does a lot compared to Courtney Cox and Neve Campbell. You know, they sort of get sidelined a bit until the third act, but they do have their moments in the third act. They have, like, really awesome moments in the third act. And I can tell, well, like I said before, I'm not a diehard Scream fan. But I can tell a lot of fans were pleased because when I was in my movie theater, uh, there were so many people clapping um, whenever uh, Sydney came on screen um, and, and when David Arquette came on, you know, so, so I'm, I'm at least glad that the fandom, at, le- at least in my theater, they enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. And Ghostface, Ghostface was so badass in the movie. Every time he came out of nowhere, I was like, yo, yo, Ghostface is here. Ghostface is here. And I was scared and I was excited that he came on screen, which that's what you want in a horror film. You don't just want to be scared, but you want to be excited that you're about to be scared. And all the kills, brutal and amazing. It's it's just, I, I don't know. I, I guess the last horror movie I've seen in theaters was like Candyman, which... Excuse me. The the kills were fine. It was a slow movie. But this man, this the 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 deaths and the slashes here in this movie, it just it just pumps your adrenaline like you want to leave the theater because you feel like Ghostface is about to come out of the scream and come at you, but man, Ghostface was just amazing in this movie. I I don't I don't know what else to say. Um and whoever did the sound design, props to you. You need a raise because Actually, for a sec, he does need to take back the sound design because every stab that goes that Ghostface does, the sound of the knife going through someone's body, whoever did that sound, you killed it, bro. Or 
gal, because, oh, you, you, you just heard it, you, you could just hear the little, whatever it's called, going through the carcass, the, the knife going through the carcass, and I just cringed, not in like a, oh, that's cringy, but like, you're cringing, because like, you're so, it's just so unnerving, it's so unnerving, but, but, but great job on the sound design. Now, the only problem I have with the new batch of teams, they have a new batch of teams, is that they don't get enough screen time to the point I wish some of them actually lived or that I got to see more of their character before they died. But for the ones that survived, um, I hope we get to see more of them in the future. And some of them actually do have connections to some of the past screen movies, at least from what I've seen in the um, recap videos on youtube so hopefully they do come back now if you know how the screen movies are they usually make a satire or commentary about hollywood and horror movies and in this one they talk about uh rebuquels and toxic fandom and while i was watching this movie i kind of slowly rolled my eyes a bit not that it was a bad commentary or the way that they did it in fact i liked the way that they talked about how hollywood was running out of ideas so they tried to make reboots, but tie it in with the original movies, which is what this movie is doing. And they make fun of it. And they basically say it's a safe way. It's, it's a safe way to be with the fandom. But I feel like I've heard this commentary multiple times in TV shows and movie. Hell, not too long ago, the recent Matrix Resurrections movie was a whole commentary about Warner Brothers making another Matrix movie. And I feel like no matter how much people in Hollywood complain about reboots or sequels, they're going to make them anyway. But since it's a Scream movie, the commentary does fit in the tone. You know, Scream, the Scream franchise has always been, you know, a horror, a, a, a basic slasher movie that somehow ties in into the commentary and makes fun of it, of, of Hollywood and all that. But my favorite part of the commentary was about the toxic fandom. The movie itself sort of references Ryan Johnson, which, if you know, he is famous slash infamous for dividing Star Wars fans with The Last Jedi. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. I thought the movie was good. And anyways, while I thought that was an okay thing to criticize, I, I, I didn't really bat an eye on it. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Toxic fandom, that's cool. But when I got home to see other people's reactions in the Scream fandom, a bunch of people in that fandom were saying that this fifth movie is good. There was another part of the fan that was saying it was bad. And they were going at it. Now, mind you, it was Twitter. But the fact that they were both going at it. And I also saw like Reddit posts and YouTubers and Instagram. Like just people. Not saying that it's divided. But there are a good portion of people that don't like this movie. And that they are sort of attacking each other. And that I just kept thinking. What are these directors knew that this movie might be divisive? So, they decide to talk about toxic fandom in the movie as a way of, hey, we're going to get to you before you get to us. So, we're going to criticize your fandom before you talk about our directing. And if that was the plan for the movie, then props to the, to the directors for adding that. Now, for all my listeners, if you're looking for a new movie to start off your new year, then I suggest that then I suggest that you should go watch Scream, Scream in theater if you're able to. This is a really great horror film, and I had so much fun. I watched it alone in the movie theaters, which it's watching a movie alone in the theater. 
with other people around, yeah, but like you know, you you're, you're you're going by yourself. You're not going with someone. You're not going with your family. You're not going with your girlfriend. You're not going with your boyfriend. You're not going with anybody. It's just you, and you're just enjoying it by yourself with people six feet apart. It's an amazing experience. That's that's all I got to say. Go watch Scream. Next up, I'm going to talk about how not to do Latino representation in a horror movie right after the break. So I was planning to review this movie because the whole episode is supposed to revolve around Latin American people in horror, whether it's only the main lead is Latine or a horror movie itself revolves around Latin American culture, anything that sort of fell in the lines of that. So I saw that HBO Max recently had a 2019 film called The Curse of La Llorona. No, I will not be putting the trailer. Fuck no. And I'll tell you why. I watched the first 15 minutes. And I already felt like I already know what I'm going to say by the end of the film. This film is supposed to be about a Mexican folklore. That's a lot of history in Mexico and other Latin American countries. And in this movie, they Americanized it by making the movie centered on a Caucasian social, working, a social worker mom who lives in Los Angeles. And they showed every single wrong thing they can do with the movie. Such as the social worker ha- had a dead husband who happens to be Hispanic. The fact that they couldn't even cast a Latin American actor, a Latin American, a, a Latina mom as the main actor. So they, so they said, hey, let's make her Hispanic by marriage. And not even to a living Latino husband, but a dead one. There's a scene. This is the scene where I just I just said, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to watch the rest of the movie. I already know what type of movie this is. There's a scene where the social worker has to go to a house because the kids haven't been going to school and the mother of the kids haven't been answering. So then the social worker goes in and sees that the Latin, the Latin mother locked up her kids in a closet. Now the social worker doesn't know that she's doing it because La Girona and, you know, she, she, she Caucasian. What, what the fuck is she supposed to know about La Girona? And, and, and that the Latin mother locks up her, her, her children in the closet so, so La Girona doesn't get it. Doesn't get her children. Because in the, in the folklore, La Girona, you know, kidnaps um, children. But the social worker ends up getting the Latina mom arrested and separating the mom from the children. Not only did this scene make us look scarily suspicious and makes Latino parents look bad as if we are willing to lock up our children for days in the name of saving them from a spirit even though that's considered abuse. And let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. Realistic. A Latin mom wouldn't lock up their sons to protect them from the spirit. They would tell them to shut the fuck up and go to sleep. Or, I don't know, if you're that bored, go wash some dishes. Clean up the house. Let's be honest. That's what they would say. It's just the fact that this movie in the first 15 minutes uses Latinos as a crutch to make the film quote-unquote authentic and have it tied to the Mexican legend. So I didn't feel like finishing this movie. I didn't even get to see what La Llorona looks like. 
but I bet she looks like a woman who bought a wedding dress at some dusty ass pawn shop or something. I don't know. I, I the, the moment I saw it, I was like, okay, it's gonna be Americanized. I bet it won't even look cool. I'm just gonna turn it off because you know if I'm gonna make these podcasts and if I do. If I even want to say something negative, if I even want to, you know, bring more light into some things, like like let's say if I wanted to review a bad film, I want to at least have the energy to do it. And this one, the first fifteen minutes drained it out. I already knew what I need to say about this movie, so I did. So I just didn't even continue it. But let this be a lesson for any future studios who wants to make. Who wants to make either us, the horror community, the Latino community, or just the movie community, the audience community. If they want to make us a horror movie based on Latin American legend, well, they, should let, they should let Latino directors or writers take a hold and tell stories about it and make us the main characters. And not a dead husband or a bunch of brown kids who lost their moms to a white social worker. Sorry. I drink a little bit too much cafecito today. But that's a, but but seriously though, the, j- have us just be the main characters and and, and yeah as, I know I sound angry, no I was just expressing myself a little too much, kind of looked at, kind of looked back, that might sound cringy when I edit this I'm just gonna leave it in, but for real though, make us main characters don't make us, you know illegal immigrants don't make us social uh, um I was about to say social worker don't make us um maids. In horror movies, just make us people, man. And that we encounter these supernatural things. That's that's all I need to say. Up next, I'll be talking about the future of Latino representation within horror, supernatural, and gothic within this year. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Now, for the horror genre, Latinos have mostly been present and have been the largest demographic in watching and showing up to theaters with these movies. And I've always wondered why we love them so much. And it's mostly due to our culture. And it could date back to the Aztecs, Mayans, and Incas. You know, in that time, there were, there were, there were stories about monstrous creatures and mythical beings, you know, and magic. And when the Spanish came... And enslaved a lot of the indigenous people of Latin America. A lot of our stories talked about the horrors of uh, colonization, slavery, and destructions of civilizations. And now we tell such stories, such as the Cucuy, La Llorona, the Chupacabra, and etc. To keep our children in checks, or just to fuck with their sleeping habits, who knows. And while we haven't been present in a lot of horror, supernatural movies, or gothic movies... Hollywood is starting to figure out if they want us to keep watching horror media, horror media, they're going to have to put us in these movies and shows. And I'm here to tell you some of these projects that we can look forward to, starting with Marvel's Moon Knight. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between my waking life 
and dreams. Now, for a lot of us Marvel fans, we don't really know what direction this show will take. But recently they did uh, release a synopsis along with the trailer. And it says the series follows Stephen Grant, a mild-mannered gift shop employee who becomes plagued with blackouts and memories of another life. Stephen discovers he has dissociative identity disorder and shares a body with mercenary Mark Spector. As Stephen slash Mark's enemies converge upon them, they must navigate their complex identities while thrust into a deadly mystery among the powerful gods Egypt. Now I know a little bit more about the character in the comics, but I'd rather save it when the show comes out and I will do a review on it. Um, the show is going to have a lot of supernatural things dealing with Egyptian gods and monsters. Even at one point in the trailer, he's beating up what looks like a werewolf, which we will talk about later. And the show is going to star Oscar Isaac, a Guatemalan and Cuban actor. You may know him from the Star Wars movies or other indie projects and small shows such as HBO's A Scene of Marriage. Oscar Isaac has been killing it in the acting game and has been giving us so much representation of Latinos. And I can't wait when we get to see Oscar as Moon Knight. Now our next movie is a movie from A24, which has been known to bring some experimental horror in theaters. And now they have a new one that really caught my interest. The movie is titled X. Take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we go. I just want me. So this is it. Our own studio backlog. You're looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly song, bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. I just want me. You don't know what we're doing, does he? Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to come inside? What's advice? I want to be in the movie. Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. If Daddy catches us, there's no telling what he might do. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. Now, these A24 movies, they, they, they say very little in their trailers. But from what I can see... On the synopsis online, it says, In 1979, some young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast members find themselves in a fight for their lives. 
not only Jenna Ortega, you know, the one who recently starred in the fifth installment of Scream, the one I just reviewed, she will also be in this movie too. And as well as Afro-Mexican actor, singer, Kid Cudi, a.k.a. Scott Nescuddy. I always have a hit or miss feel with A24 horror movies, but knowing that Jenna Ortega and Kid Cudi are in this movie, I feel more hopeful about it. We also got a Halloween special from Marvel Studios called Werewolf by Min- by Night. Not Werewolf by Midnight, Werewolf by Night. In which they casted Mexican actor Gail Garcia Bernal, who will be the lead of this Halloween special. And Netflix is going to have a gothic show called Wednesday, a show about Wednesday Adams from the Adams family. And Wednesday is going to be played by, you, you already know it, Jenna Ortega. I, I swear this is the year of Jenna Ortega. And Puerto Rican actor Luis Guzman has been casted to play Gomez Adam. And I can't wait to review the show when it comes out. There's probably more horror, supernatural, and gothic stuff that might come out this year that does have Latino representation. But as far as we know, this is as much we can get. And you know what? I'm totally cool with it. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope you guys have a great mañana, dia, and noche.